You're listening to a Share Radio podcast. A pension crisis. It's horrendous. Threatening with debt collectors and the bubble that's going to cause financial havoc. Let's talk about the speed with which we are watching this market deteriorate. What in the world is happening on Wall Street? The down traders are standing there watching in amazement. I don't blame them. Glenn Goodman and welcome to Managing My Money with me, Glenn Goodman. You like the sound of your own name, don't you, Glenn? Well, you've got to admit, it kind of scans well, doesn't it, Annie? And it alliterates too. Glenn Goodman, Glenn Goodman, Glenn Stop Goodman, it. Glenn, Glenn Goodman, Glenn Goodman. Stop it. <laughs> Annie, everybody! Oh, Annie. I'm not your daddy. And that song is particularly apt because I am not, in fact, your daddy. Are you quite sure, are you? reasonably certain yeah your real dad's name is john and he's from reading now you're listening to episode four of managing my money probably the only series where you can not only find out how to keep your finances in good shape but actually get a university certificate for your trouble and put it on your cv to show how clever you are no way yes no way. way yes way if you stay with us till the end of the episode i'll show you how to take the quiz and complete the next step towards your genuine Open University certificate. So in the last episode, we were talking about earning income and how inflation can eat away at your money. It sounds so intelligent, don't I? What's next? <laughs> well, this week, let's talk about tax. Let's talk about tax. Let's talk about tax. Let's talk about tax. Let's talk about tax, baby. Let's talk about me. Annie, how do you feel about paying your taxes? Uh, well, I like it and I don't like it all at the same time. I mean, it's obviously a bit painful when you see all that money taken off your pace there, but I, I kind of like the feeling there that I'm contributing to society in some way, you know, keeping the hospitals and the schools all running. You are a good citizen, Annie. Oh, I thank you, Glenn. Now, as you mentioned payslips, let's examine one to understand how income and tax relate to each other. So if you've only ever been self-employed, you may not have ever seen one of these before. People in employment receive a payslip every time they're paid, often at the end of the month. These days, they're not always on paper. They might just be online. So let's have a look at yours. What's on your payslip, Annie? Oh, blimey. Well, it's generally a big, long list of numbers, some of which I understand, others not so much. Well, the big number is a bit like a lie, really, because you'll never actually take that money home. <laughs> that's your gross pay. But we don't want to give you that because that's your total pay before the tax man's had his share. It's so annoying. Every time. I would be a millionaire by now if the tax man didn't have his share. But what about the starving children and the sick and the lame? That's a low blow, Glenn. 
So then the pay slip shows the tax and national insurance that are deducted from your gross pay. And finally, it shows your net pay, which is the measly amount you actually take home. Mm. So when tax is collected through your employer like this, it's called pay-as-you-earn or P-A-Y-E tax. What about if you're self-employed? Well, if you work for yourself, you don't pay your tax up front like that. Instead, you fill in a tax return for each tax year, which, for extremely obscure historical reasons, runs from the 6th of April one year through to the 5th of April the following year. So you calculate how much you owe and then you pay it, usually in two six-monthly instalments. So if you're self-employed, you need to make sure you're putting enough aside each year to pay the tax bill. Do you think the pennies put enough aside for their tax bill? The pennies? You mean the family we follow each episode who always make terrible financial errors? Yes, that's them. Ah, I'm sure they'd put enough money aside. <laughs> well, let's find out, shall we? There, that's the lot for today. I just don't know how you do it. You're weaving us a fortune. I know. Who'd have thought that lace doilies embroidered with the face of Justin Bieber would be so popular? Everyone in town wants one. And how's your new Vladimir Putin line coming along? Oh, not so hot. But we've had such a great year, I can hardly complain. Well, to celebrate a year of working for yourself... I've got a little surprise for you, love. Oh, Arthur, what is it, you romantic old so-and-so? Well, you know how you've always wanted a pretty little cottage in the country. <gasps> Arthur, you didn't... Yes, I bought a ride on lawnmower. It'll be perfect for the garden once we can afford a cottage. Oh, you bought me one of those lawnmowers you can sit on? Well, I guess I'll be the one doing the driving, but you can watch from the kitchen window. It'll be great. How much exactly did it cost? I wonder who that could be. Hello. I'm from the tax office. Come to collect your overdue taxes. Uh, Overdue taxes? Yeah, we've sent you several reminders. Arthur, do you know anything about this? Uh, Were they in brown envelopes? Yes. Nice and dry and good for lighting fires with? I expect so, yeah. Oh, dear. Oh, Arthur, what were you thinking? Well, not to worry. I'll take the money now, if it's convenient. OK, I'll get my purse. How much did you say again? £11,000 and 56 pence. £11,000? And 56 pence. But we we don't have that sort of money. We've been spending everything that's come in. You didn't put money aside for your taxes? Well, no, I'm afraid not. Well, in that case, I'm afraid we'll have to take what you have. We'll start with that doily-making machine over there. And a television and his three-piece suite. Arthur, do something! Well, I'm sorry, dear. It looks like it's out of me hands. And this ride on lawnmower. No! You're not taking me lawnmower! Oh, dear. So what will become of the pennies then, Glenn? I dread to think, Annie. Mm. I really do. Mr Penny might have to cut the grass with an ordinary push mower. Doesn't really bear thinking about. OK, let's get down to brass taxation. <laughs> See what I did there? Brass taxation. You've got too much time on your hands, Glenn. The British tax system is an example of a progressive tax system, which means not only do you pay more tax the more you earn, but you actually pay a larger percentage of your income in tax the more you earn. 
Right, okay. So say I earn £30,000 a year and my friend earns twice as much as me, they don't just pay twice as much tax as me? No, because they'd be in a higher tax bracket, so they'd pay a higher percentage of their income in tax. So they'd actually end up paying more than twice as much as you in tax. That doesn't seem very fair. Some people would say that, but the idea is to reduce income inequality in society. It means that money can be redistributed by various means from people who earn a lot to people who don't earn as much. And the way this works is, first of all, you get your personal allowance. Yeah, now I know about this. It sounds like pocket money for grown-ups, but I know that the personal allowance is basically the chunk of your income that isn't taxed at all. That's right, yeah. In recent years, it's been around £10,000. So if you earn any less than that, you just pay no income tax at all. So the very poorest in society don't pay income tax. Though, of course, they do still have VAT added on to the prices of a lot of things they buy, so they still pay some tax indirectly. So what you're saying then is that you only start paying tax on income over £10,000. Yes, you don't start paying tax on the whole lot. So say you earn £11,000... You only pay tax on that last thousand and you pay it at the basic rate, which is 20%. Got it. So you'd get the first 10,000 tax free and then the last thousand pounds would be taxed at 20%. So you'd pay 200 pounds in income. You were like a human calculator. Why, thank you. Okay, so then when does this higher rate tax kick in? Well, once your income gets to around £40,000 a year, any additional income over that is taxed at 40%. And then there's an even higher 45% rate when your income gets above £150,000 a year, which I know yours is fast approaching. (laughs) So this progressive tax system is designed to help iron out those inequalities, like I said, by taxing higher incomes at higher rates. So actually, then, when you see adverts for jobs that say 60k and you think, whoa, I fancy a bit of that. But then in reality, your take home pay is going to be significantly less than what you expect because of tax. Yeah. Those poor Premier League footballers, eh? Oh, bless them. My heart bleeds. Managing my money, 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 my money. Okay then, so apart from income tax on my payslip, eating away at my take-home pay, there's also national insurance, isn't there? So what's the crack for that? Well, when you're 16, you're issued with a national insurance card. Yours is probably still banging about somewhere, covered in cobwebs. Thanks very much. Cheers. Well, originally, when national insurance was brought in about 100 years ago, it did pretty much what the name suggests. It insured us against illness, unemployment, getting too old to work, paying out money to workers when they couldn't work. But now... It's basically just an income tax by another name. What, an income tax on top of my income tax? That's a double whammy. Yes, indeed. Hmm. 12% of your pay packet will go on national insurance once you start earning over seven grand a year. And if you're lucky enough to earn over 40 grand a year, then you only pay 2% on any income above that level. So it drops from 12% to 2% then when you start earning a lot. Yeah. So you could argue it's a regressive tax, like the opposite of a progressive tax. Mm. Because once you're earning a lot of money, you actually pay a much smaller percentage in national insurance. But how? Don't employers also pay it too? So it's not exactly the same as income tax. That's right. In that sense, it's worse than income tax because employees pay it and employers. So above that same threshold, around £7,000, your employer pays the tax man an amount equal to 13.8% of your income in national insurance. So even though it's hardly ever mentioned in the news, national insurance is a pretty huge tax, raising around a fifth of all government tax receipts each year. Shut the front door, Glenn. That's a bit of a slippery, sneaky, enormous tax. 
It is really, yeah. Because whenever they raise it, it doesn't get the same kind of bad press that a rise in income tax or VAT gets. So it's quite a useful stealthy tax for sneaky, slimy, stealthy, sneaky politicians (laughs) to raise a bit of extra cash. There seems to be rather a lot of these sneaky taxes. What about the stamp duty as well, isn't there, when you're buying a house? And stamp duty when you buy shares in major companies. And talking of these sneaky, slimy, sneaky taxes, VAT Mm. is an interesting one because you buy things in the shops without really thinking about that 20% tax that's just lumped on top of the prices of most things. Uh, yeah, I didn't realise this. When I went to America and then you buy something there, when you get the thing to the till, you think, oh, it's really, really cheap. Then they whack on the sales tax there, so it's not such a bargain then. So I'm, I'm kind of interested to know which you prefer. Finding out about the big tax when you get to the till or just not mm-hmm. noticing it at all in the UK because it's just included in the price anyway? Oh, definitely our way of doing it because then you know exactly how much you're going to be paying at the till before you make a fool of yourself and be like, mm, actually, I think you've got that wrong. No, no, you've got that de- wrong. You've got it wrong, definitely. And they say, uh, no, we got it right. Please leave the country immediately. Yeah, you stupid Brit. <laughs> so unfair. Anyway, they'll get you every which way, it seems. But it's important to remember that your taxes are the main source of money to fund the police, the fire brigade. The hospitals, the schools. Yes, and the armed forces, the ambulance service. Ah, the bank bailouts, the MPs' expenses. (laughs) Exactly. Without your taxes, we'd have none of your favourite things. EU commissioners and bank bailout losses Gold-plated pensions for bureaucrat bosses Benefits cheaters and quangocrat kings These are a few of my favourite things When the crunch strikes, when the tax stings When I'm feeling sad I simply remember my favourite things And then I don't feel Okay, now it's time to talk benefits. Benefits, benefits, we want benefits, 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 we We want want benefits. benefits. Annie, can you guess what those people want? Uh, Benefits. That's right. In the good old days, if you fell on hard times, say you broke your leg and you couldn't work the plough anymore, then you may well just starve to death. But as society became more civilised, well, you'd laugh all about the starving. It's awful. Yeah, so stop laughing at that. Serious face. Sorry. As society became more civilised, starvation pretty much went out of fashion. Right. And people might end up at a Dickensian workhouse instead. Ah, the good old days, eh? Where tiny boys were sent up chimneys to sweep them. And if you couldn't pay your bills, you'd be sent to a debtor's prison. Yes, but nowadays society has just gone to the dogs, Annie. Mm. I mean, they don't even let six-year-old boys risk their lives cleaning chimneys anymore. It's health and safety gone mad, I tell you. For some reason, people got tired of starving to death. And so they started demanding change. In the early part of the 20th century, politicians realised if they didn't make some concessions to these starving workers, they might end up having a communist revolution, which was of course starting to happen in some other countries. So, national insurance was how it all started, as we were just discussing. And then the welfare state developed into its current form after World War II with the establishment of the NHS and the expansion of social security. So, we now have benefits if you're sick, if you're unemployed, you have children, and of course the old age pension. Annie, out of interest, what do you think takes up the biggest chunk of the social security budget? Ooh, good question. Um, unemployment? Nope. Think again, Annie. Uh, child benefit? Nope. 
It's pensions. Pensions? Pensions. Wow, really? Yeah. And get a load of the most recent government figures. You know you want to. I'm on the edge of my seat. In the most recent year, we spent nearly £82 billion of the budget (gasps) on pensions. £82 billion. Guess how much we spent on, say, Job Seekers Allowance. Ooh, okay. Um, £25 billion. Lower. £15 billion? Lower. £10 billion. Five billion. Shut the front door. <laughs> I kid you not. And income support is less than three billion. So you've got pensions on 82 billion. Those benefits way, way below. In fact, after pensions, the biggest benefits are tax credits for people who are in work, not the jobless. And they come to 30 billion a year. So do we spend more than we used to on benefits then? Yes. As a percentage of our national income, social security spending has gone through the roof. It's gone up from 4% each year just after World War II to almost 14% a year now. So some people think the whole thing's gone too far. They say we can't afford it. And they also point to what they call the poverty trap. Mm. You heard of that? Yes, I have. Yeah, Yeah, that's the idea that if you're unemployed and receiving lots of money and benefits, that you then you might actually end up poorer if you get a job because you'd lose those benefits. So the benefits then can act as a disincentive to get a job. What, so you're saying a single mum, for example, with a few kids and you're living on benefits, you want to go back to work, but you realise if you started a job say in the local supermarket you'd actually lose more in benefits than you're earning through this job that's the idea obviously Labour and the Tories spend a lot of time arguing over to what extent this actually happens in practice but to try and combat it they've raised the personal allowance that we talked about earlier so you don't actually start paying any income tax until you're earning around £10,000 a year that way if you're a low earner you get to keep a lot more of your income which hopefully more than compensates for the loss of some of your benefits and also there are now tax credits of course for lower earners which give people extra money if they do work instead of just money if they don't Blimey this tax and benefits business all seems incredibly complicated to me It really is but you know who really knows a lot about tax and benefits? Uh, Share Radio's personal finance expert, Ed Bowsher. You know, that's exactly who I was thinking of. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Personal finance expert, Ed Bowsher, hello. Hello, Glenn. Ed, why is the tax and benefits system so complex? I think it's really the fault of politicians and maybe us voters too. So politicians, they see a problem. Uh, They think people, let's say, people aren't investing enough money in the stock market. So they say, fine, we'll create a stocks and shares ISA, which makes it easy to invest in the stock market. You save tax. Nice idea, but it makes things more complicated. And then the next year, the Chancellor wants to solve another problem. So he creates a new tax break there. And this carries on budget after budget, year after year, lots of good ideas in isolation but when you add them all together it gets very complicated. Now I know in recent years politicians have been pretty aware of the poverty trap and they're trying to change the tax and benefits system so that it incentivizes work rather than disincentivizing it. How are they doing on that score? 
Well, Gordon Brown, when he was Chancellor, made big changes. He introduced the tax credits. So if you were working but earning a relatively low salary, the government would top that up with a benefit. And that's an incentive for you to work. The problem with that is it's very expensive. So we're now moving in a different direction where we're seeing the tax credits cut back. And instead, the minimum wage is being pushed up. And so the idea is with a higher minimum wage, uh, lower paid workers will earn more and it won't cost the government so much money. That's the idea anyway. Thank you very much, Share Radio's personal finance expert, Ed Bauscher. When Gordon Brown was Prime Minister, though, he was often accused of making tax even more complicated, uh, and also when he was Chancellor, too. But to be fair, he's hardly the only culprit. Governments are always tinkering with tax and benefits in response to the latest tabloid outcry about people fiddling the system or whatever. Or whatever. Anywho, a number of different benefits, such as housing benefit and child tax credit, are being amalgamated into a universal credit. 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 Sounds very epic, doesn't it? With the idea of simplifying things somewhat. Somewhat? (laughs) Seriously, can you stop that now? Whatever. Now, do you remember the bungling robbers? Yeah, of course I do. They've they've been in every episode. All right. Mm. Well, this episode, they're tackling the benefits system. (sighs) There, Ben. That's the last of the beans gone. I'm afraid there are none left for you. Hmm. We're out of food, we're out of money. That pedicure earlier cleaned out our last hundred quid. Oh, well, at least you got lovely feet. The government are going to give us some money. I've been reading up about these things called benefits. Benefits? The benefit I'm angling for is the carer's allowance, but I need someone to care for. You can care for me! Oh, I do care for you so very much. Which is why I need to do this. What'd you do that for? I punched you so you look like you need a carer. Woohoo! Oh, good, that should do it. Come on! Hello, I'm Jeremy, and I'll be dealing with your case. Hello, Jeremy. I'm Bill, and this is Ben. We're here to get some benefits. Benefits, please. Okay, what seems to be the problem? Well, I care for my friend here, and I need some money for it. And what's the problem with your friend? Oh, don't get me started. He requires constant attention. He keeps walking into things and falling downstairs. Observe his freshly cut lip and swollen cheekbone. Uh, Ben, has this man been hurting you? Well, he did punch me twice in the face. Oh, Ben, you silly thing. Only as a joke, you know that. You like it. Not really. So, Bill, it looks like we might need to separate you from Ben. What, for one little punch? Two! Silence! Oh, officer, how could you separate me from my child? Your child? Yes. Ben is my son. Am I? So I would like a nice chunk of child benefit on top of the carer's allowance. You won't be getting either, and I suggest you leave before I call the police. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have people to see who are in actual need. Ben, you idiot! Now we'll starve! I'll look after you, Dad. Ben, I'm not your father. Well, whether you 
far are you, Wayne? I lifted his wallet. There's loads of dosh in here. We can have a proper meal for once. Oh, Ben. I knew there was a reason I keep you around, you light-fingered little genius. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> I mean, Bill. Oh, come on, son. Let's go eat. So, Annie, how are you feeling about all this tax stuff now, then? It's kind of nice to know what the government's doing with it. I am surprised how pensions take up the lion's share of Social Security, though, and that the jobless benefits that the newspapers bang on about are nowhere near a bigger deal as they're made out to be. And as for national insurance, once you factor that in, it means the government taxes the world of work a lot more than I thought. Yeah, because a low-paid worker will pay 20% basic rate tax after that personal allowance, but also 12% national insurance on top of that. So that's 32% of the tax man or tax woman. Shall I call her the tax woman from now on? Yeah, why not? And uh, on top of that, your employer pays 13.8% of your wage to the tax woman as well in national insurance, which means that they may hire fewer workers because they have to shell out to the tax woman for each one they hire. Oh, that tax woman, she's got a nerve. She's only doing her job, Annie. If you're going to blame anyone, blame the politicians. That's what they're there for. I'll stick it to the man. (laughs) And on that upbeat note, we've reached the end of this episode. The Managing My Money course lasts eight weeks and each week consists of two episodes. This is episode four. So if you've also listened to episode three, you're now ready to head over to shareradio.co.uk and try the quiz to test all your new knowledge and wisdom. Do that each week and at the end of week eight, you'll be awarded an official Statement of Participation Certificate from the Open University. It will show that you've completed an official university course on financial planning and you can put it on your CV. So thanks for listening and thanks, Annie. No problem. Take it away, the Managing My Money Orchestra. Whee!